Welcome back. I am Chris Oram. In today's lesson, we will learn how to be very wise, as things are not always as they appear. We will also learn more about Joshua's display of the gift of faith, as the Lord worked through him. Here is Dr. Ruth with more. Welcome to today's teaching. This is Dr. Ruth. I am very glad you are with me today as we continue our teaching out of the book of Joshua. I am sure your hearts are opened to receive from the Lord the timeless principles out of this book. I am very excited as well. In today's session, I will cover Joshua chapters 9 and 10. So let us get into Joshua chapter 9 right away. So what is the gist of Joshua chapter 9? In this chapter, we will learn how Joshua and the Israelites were deceived by a group of people or by a nation or tribe called the Gibbonite. Okay, so let us get into it right away. I will begin by reading the first few verses. Joshua chapter 9, verse 1 through 2. Now, when all the kings west of the Jordan heard about these things, now remember these things pertaining to the fact that the Lord had enabled Joshua and the Israelites to overcome the city of Jericho and and the nation of I, we talked about that in preceding chapters already. So all of the other kings in the Canaanite region there had heard about the fame of the Lord. So the kings in the hill country, in the western foothills, and along the entire coast of the Mediterranean Sea, as far as Lebanon, and the kings are all listed there, kings from the Hittites, Amorites, Canaanites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites, verse 2, all these kings came together to wage war against Joshua and Israel. Okay, so obviously these kings formed an uh, allegiance to come against Joshua and the Israelites because they were afraid. Moving on here in verse 3, however, when the people of Gibbon or Gibbon had what Joshua had done to Jericho and I, they resorted to a ruse. A ruse meaning they resorted to deception or trickery. So while the other kings formed this gang, if you will, to come against Joshua, the people of Gibeon or Gibeon, the Gibbonite, they decided that they were not going to be a part of any gang. They were going to deceive. <laughs> oh, my God. They were going to come up with a deceptive way to um, Joshua and the Israelites. They were going to come up with a deceptive plan, rather, uh, and present that plan to Joshua and the Israelites. That way, they would be spared. So that is what is about to happen. Let's get into some of the details how they went about with their deceptive plan. So they went as a delegation whose donkeys were loaded with worn-out sacks and old wine skins cracked and mended. 
verse 5, they put worn and patched sandals on their feet and wore old clothes. All the bread of their food supply was dry and moldy. Then they went to Joshua in the camp of Gilgal and said to him and the Israelites, we have come from a distant country, make a treaty with us. Here's what's going on. Remember how I said in verse 4, the uh, Gibbonites resorted to a ruse, which is like a trickery way. They came up with this deceptive plan to put on old, worn-out clothing and their supply appeared dry and moldy. That way, they would give an impression that they had been traveling for a long, 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 long time to come to meet Joshua and the Israelites so they can come into some kind of a peaceful agreement that way Joshua would not kill them. All the while, this was a lie. It was a trick. As we would later find out, the Gibbonites or the people from uh, Gibeon were very close neighbors to the Israelites. If you recall, the Israelites and Joshua were camping right there at Gilgal. That was like their base of operation. So the Gibbonites were neighbors to the camp right there at Gilgal where Joshua and the Israelites were camping. So they just disguised their appearance. They made their clothing and their food supplies to appear old and wrinkly to give an impression that they had traveled a long distance to come and make peace with Joshua. Boy, attire. The enemy can take what is new and make it look old and remind you of your condemnation and deceive you. Or vice versa, the enemy can take what is new <laughs> and make it look old and remind you that God is not for you. Bottom line, the enemy can come up with all kinds of deceptive means to trick us into buying into his lies. Okay? And things, this is a big lesson. Things don't always appear as they seem on the surface. Let me repeat that. Things don't really appear as they seem on the surface. We are not to make decisions based on what we see. Of course, the New Testament teaches us out of 2 Corinthians 5, 7, that we walk by faith, not by sight. Things can look good on the outside. But guess what? It could be a lie. As we are about to find out, Joshua got tricked. A man of God got tricked. Anyone can be deceived if you're not careful. And as we will find out, the biggest mistake Joshua made here, Joshua, a man of God, did not seek God's counsel before getting into a peaceful treaty with the Gibbonites. Had he sought God's counsel, he would not have been deceived. Just like us. We should never take for granted that things look good on the outside. We should always seek God's counsel through prayer and asking the Holy Spirit for revelation before we make a decision or before we conclude about things that may seem good on the outside. Because the enemy can disguise, okay? Friend, have you been blessed today? I'm trusting the Lord that he has spoken to your heart and you've been blessed by the teachings. Friend, if that is the case, 
please let us know how these uh, uh, teachings are blessing you and uh, share this with friends and family members. And also remember to bless us back with a financial donation so we can produce more uh, shows like this to bless many other people. And we have a very safe and secure website where you can uh, make your donations right there. You can donate into this ministry anywhere in the world. All you need is an internet access. And here is our, uh, our website address where you can make a very safe and secure donation. It is drruthtanyi.org slash donate. Again, drruthtanyi.org slash donate. And you can also use uh, Zelle if you live here in the USA. And the Zelle telephone number for donations, uh, here is the number, 909-501-9800. Again, that is 909-501-9031. We also accept donations through Cash App. Here is the Cash App address. Is the dollar sign, Dr. Ruth Tani. Again, the dollar sign, Dr. Ruth Tani. Friend, we thank you in advance for your donations to help support this uh, ministry. And we trust God that whatever you give into his work, he will bless you back abundantly, exceedingly. And together we are advancing God's work and transforming lives. Doesn't that feel good? That is the will of God for all of us to advance his work. So thank you for supporting this ministry. That way we can together advance God's work. We thank you and may you enjoy a blessed day today and I pray for the power of God to saturate you right now in Jesus name. Amen. So continuing here, verse 7, the Israelites said to the uh, Hivites, but perhaps you live near us. So how can we make a treaty with us? Verse 7 is great because we see how the Lord was really walking through the Israelites to tell them that, hey, these, these people are your neighbors. So they were questioning. It was like a warning. Of course, they would ignore, just like many times God is giving us warning signals not to move forward with a decision, but because we are impatient, because things look good on the outside, we quickly make a decision and then later on regret as we later find out that it was not God all along. We were deceived. So that is what happened here to the Israelites. Moving on here, verse 8, we are servants. The uh, people from uh, Gibeon said, they said to Joshua, but Joshua asked, who are you and where do you come from? Verse 9, they answered, your servants have come from a very distant country because of the fame of the Lord your God. For we have heard reports of him, all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings of the Amorites and Shinghong, uh, king of Heshbon and Og, king of Basham. Verse 11, and our elders rather, and all those living in our country said to us, take provisions for your journey, go and meet them and say to them, we are servants, make a treaty with us. So we see how the people from Gibeon, 
they are lying to Joshua that they came from a far country. And in verse 12, they went on to proceed with their lying that the bread that they brought, originally the bread was warm. Essentially, their provisions was warm. But because of the long journey, it has become all dry. It was a lie. In verse 13, they, were, they went on to tell Joshua that the wineskins were brand new and their clothing were brand new. But because of the long journey, everything is wrinkled. That was a lie. In verse 14, the Israelites sampled their provisions but did not inquire of the Lord right there. Okay, so these people came up with this deceptive plan, presented it to Joshua and the elders of Israel, how they had come from a long, long way. Their clothing got all wrinkled, their bread got all moldy. And uh, Joshua and the elders of Israel believed them. They did not seek God's counsel. Verse 15. Then Joshua made a treaty of peace with them to let them leave. And the leaders of the assembly ratified it by oath. So we see how Joshua, without seeking godly counsel, assumed that these people were being honest because he looked on the outward appearance. And he proceeded to make a peace treaty with these people and the elders were in agreement with Joshua. That was a lie. That was a mistake right there. Verse 16, three days after they had made the treaty with the Gibbonites, the Israelites heard that they were neighbors living near them. So essentially three days thereafter, God revealed the whole thing. Three days after Joshua and the elders had been deceived, they got into a peaceful treaty. It was revealed that they were deceived. So verse 17. So the Israelites set out and on the third day came to their cities. Essentially, the Israelites and Joshua confronted the people from Gibeon and confronted them, asking them why had they lied to them. And then if you come down towards the end there of verse 18, the whole assembly grumbled against the leaders. Verse 19, <laughs> but all the leaders answered, we have given them our oath by the Lord, the God of Israel, and we cannot touch them now. So you have to understand, if you have been listening to my teaching thus far, we talked about this in the book of Leviticus. God had been shaping and molding these people that when they made a vow, an oath, they should take it seriously. It was like a written contract. So when Joshua and the elders made a peace treaty with the people from Gibeon, that was like a written verbal contract, and they could not take it back. They swore, using the name of the Lord, that they, meaning Joshua and the Israelites, would not destroy the Gibeonites. So they swore and made a peace treaty. So they could not recant. They could not take it back. So that is what we are learning here, how the, the remainder of the Israelites, the, the people grumbled and they were upset at Joshua and the elders for making such a hasty decision. And now they have been deceived. Verse 21 
They continued, these are the elders talking now to the congregation. Let them leave, but let them be woodcutters and water carriers in the service of the whole assembly. Essentially, Joshua and the elders of uh, Israel acknowledged in front of the congregation that they will not recant from the oath. However, they would place the Gibeonite as woodcutters and water carriers for the assembly of the Lord. Essentially, they were going to use them as laborers to work for God. Okay? Verse 22. Uh, verse 22 there, all the way to verse 23, Joshua just met with the people from, or met with the Gibeonites or the people from Gibeon and explained to them that they had deceived them, the Israelites, as a result of that. They are under a curse. They're going to be water carriers and woodcutters for the house of the Lord. That is what that is saying. And then in verse 24, the Gibeonites agreed that yes, they would remain servants as water carriers and woodcutters for God's assembly. And they went on to say that they had deceived Joshua and the Israelites because they were afraid that Joshua and the Israelites would kill them. But because this deception had been revealed, they are willing to work as servants so their lives would be spared. So that is what is happening there. And uh, verses 26 and 27 which uh, brings us to the end of chapter 9, goes on to explain that the Gibbonites remained woodcutters and water carriers for the assembly of the Lord to provide the needs of the altar of the Lord at the place the Lord would choose. So essentially, the Gibbonites uh, were working for the Lord at his tabernacle or at his place of choosing. So that brings us to the end of chapter 9 with the biggest lesson being that we should never make a decision based on outward appearance because the enemy is so wise. He can manipulate things. He can deceive us outwardly. And if we do not seek godly counsel, we would end up making incorrect decisions and end up dealing with a lot of extra baggage that God did not intend for us to deal with. As we are learning here in chapter 9, the Israelites and Joshua had to deal with the Gibeonites and extra garbage that it was not God's plan for them. But uh, a lot of times we bring problems into our own lives and then we expect God to bless us. But the correct thing to do is to seek the Lord with every decision, regardless of how somebody sound holy Regardless of how things look good on the outside, we should never take it for granted that everything that comes in our path is from the Lord or that every person that comes in our path is from the Lord. We should always seek God for why the people who are in our paths are there. And we should always seek God for why the circumstance that seemed too good, is it from God? Is it a temptation from the devil? So we should always seek godly counsel and we should not make decisions based on outward appearances. All right. Okay. Moving right along here 
to chapter 10 of the book of Joshua. What is the gist of this chapter? The gist is that we will learn how the sun stood still for Joshua. This is a gift of faith that was evident in the life of Joshua through his ministry, how God honored his faith and the sun stood still. So that is the gist of this chapter. Let's get right into it. Joshua chapter 10, the first few verses here. Now, Adonai Zedak, king of Jerusalem, heard that Joshua had taken Ai and totally destroyed it, doing to Ai and his king as he had done to Jericho. Essentially, the king of Jerusalem at that time, this was before Joshua uh, conquered Jerusalem. The king at that time heard about the fame of Joshua, the miraculous working of God through Joshua. So now he became afraid because remember we talked about the fact that the city of Jericho was a very fortified city. So now these other kings are afraid. So he is going to form uh, a gang, an allegiance with other kings so as to attack Joshua based out of fear. So we come to verse 2. He and his people were very much alarmed by this, meaning they were afraid of Joshua's success and his defeat of the city of Jericho. And then um, also they had also learned that the city or the nation of Gibeon had made a peace treaty with Joshua. And the city of uh, Gibeon, or the nation of Gibeon, I hope I'm saying that right, was a very important city. So these other kings are now afraid. Uh, uh, the Gibeonites, or the city of Gibeon, was considered a royal city. So this other king of Jerusalem and the other kings became afraid. So now we come down to verse 3. So Edoni Zedak, the king of Jerusalem, appealed to Hoham, king of Hebron. Essentially, he went to appeal to other kings, and you can read that there in verse 3. In verse 4, come up and help me attack Gibeon. So this king of Jerusalem went and made an ally or ganged up with other kings so they could attack Gibeon. After they heard that Gibeon had made a peace treaty with um, Joshua and the Israelites. And at the end of verse 4 there, he said, because it had made peace with Joshua and the Israelites. In verse 5, we are told how five kings of the Amorites, the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, we can read the rest there. They came into this coalition to attack Gibeon. And essentially the Israelites. In verse 6, the Gibeonites sent word to Joshua and the Israelites to come and help them. Just exactly what I was saying. You see how now <laughs> Joshua and the, and the elders of Israel brought this problem upon themselves. Now Joshua had to go defend the Gibeonites because he had made a, a peace treaty and, and and swore by oath using the, the Lord's name with them. So now the Gibeonites are calling upon Joshua and the Israelites to come help them to fight against these five kings coming against them. Just like I was saying, 
Now, Joshua has an extra baggage that was not God's uh, plan for him. So, verses 7 there, or the rest of verse 6 and verse 7, is just talking about how all the kings came up to fight against Gibbonites and Joshua and the Israelites. In verse 7, so Joshua marched up from Gilead with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. I love verse 8. The Lord said to Joshua, Do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. Let me pause here. This is amazing. We know that Joshua brought this problem upon himself. He was deceived by the Gibbonites. And now... Five kings have ganged up against Joshua and the Israelites and the Gibeonites. Now, because Joshua had made a peace treaty and swore by oath to the Gibeonites, he had to go defend them. But we see how, even though Joshua was deceived, the Lord was still with Joshua. The Lord was still willing to walk through Joshua to overcome this battle. What's the point? God is so good to us. Even though God wants us to always seek godly counsel before we make decisions, just like I have explained, because things don't always look <laughs> like they really are. Even when we make mistakes, God is still there to enable us to overcome the mistake and fight the enemy. That is what we see here. Joshua made a mistake, but we see God still promising and encouraging Joshua to not be afraid that he had already delivered them. Much like he is talking to us today. All the wrong decisions that we have made. All the times that we have allowed the enemy to trick us. God is like, turn to me. It is okay. I want to help you to still overcome the enemy. In fact, I have already defeated the enemy at Calvary's cross. Trust me. Allow me to walk through you to defeat the enemy and to overcome what he has done in your life. So whatever you are going through today, even if it's a bad decision and you are dealing with the consequences, God is talking to you right now that he still wants to help you. He is still for you. He is still on your side to help you to overcome the enemy. So go to God. Don't allow the enemy to put you down. Don't allow the enemy to just weaken you. Stand up in the name of Jesus and turn to God. He is your deliverer. Okay? God is willing to help you to overcome that deception that the enemy trick you into. So trust God. So we see him doing the same thing here with Joshua. God is so good to us. Okay? So in verse 9, after an all-night match from Gilead, Joshua took them by surprise. Verse 10, the Lord threw them into confusion. So we see how God is fighting this battle through Joshua. God has many ways he can do this thing for us. We don't have to figure it out. Our role is to trust him. We see how after the Lord had encouraged Joshua, he threw the enemy into confusion. That is how he is causing the enemies in our lives to go into confusion. He threw them into confusion and completely defeated them. 
And uh, that is towards the end of verse 10. You can read that on your own. And then we'll come to verse 11. As they fled before Israel on the road, we see how the, 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 the five kings and their soldiers were running away because they were being defeated. I love this part. Oh, my goodness. Coming down here in verse 11, the Lord hurled large hailstorms down on them and more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. So we see a second way the Lord was destroying the enemy, that gang of five kings. He caused confusion in their camp, so they started running aimlessly, and then he allowed large hailstorms to attack them. Isn't this amazing how... Just picture this in the battlefield. You have Joshua and the Israelites with their swords trying to attack the, the five kings and their soldiers. And the Lord sent hailstorms to only target the enemies and spared the Israelite soldiers. Friend, God has ways to overcome our enemies if we can trust God to avenge for us. He has perfect ways of doing it. We just have to trust him. And we see God walking through Joshua here to overcome the five kings and their soldiers. We see God winning the battle. We come to verse 12. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of all Israel, Sun, stand still over Gibeon, and you, moon, over the valley of Ajalon. Verse 13, so the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies. Wow. What's going on here? In fact, let me just read the rest of this. As it is written in the book of Joshua, the sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. Verse 14, there has never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Verse 15, then Joshua returned with all Israel to the camp of Gilead. Powerful. We see how Joshua spoke his faith in boldness and God honored that. And the sun and the moon stood still. You know, this passage of scripture has been heavily attacked by atheists. They are like, well, the sun is always still. Well, here's the deal. Ideally, we know that the earth travels around the sun. It's a similar way that people would say the sun rises and the sun falls. Well, does the sun physically rise and fall? No. So in this case, what this scripture or what this verse is, are teaching us is that God honored Joshua's faith and he prolonged daylight, okay, by an entire day. So Joshua had about 24 hours of daylight, enough light, so he could see to overcome and, 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 and defeat the enemy. So bottom line, this is God displaying control over his creation. 
So yes, it is a miracle. This is a miracle. Joshua operated in the gift of faith. That is that the gift of faith. That is when God honors somebody's faith and the Holy Spirit flows through them. Gift of faith. When the gift of faith is in operation, there is no doubt. There is no fear. There is no concern. It's as if God is flowing through you. And God does that miracle through you. So Joshua was such a bold man of faith. He trusted God entirely. He had no doubt. And that miracle happened as, as God flew through him. And the sun and the moon stood still. And there was 24 hours daylight which enabled Joshua and the Israelites to attack and kill the five kings and all their soldiers. Glory to God. Nothing is impossible with God. Nothing is truly impossible with God. We see that in operation here. Okay. So moving on here to verse, verse 16. Just goes on to explain how the five kings had fled. They were afraid now. <laughs> <laughs> they were afraid of Joshua and the Israelites and the Gibeonites. They had fled and they hid themselves inside a cave. That is what verse 18 is saying. And um, however, Joshua knew they were there. Joshua had given orders for large rocks to be rolled and to, to cover the cave because he had a plan. He was going to get those kings out of there and, and make an example of them. We will see that later on as we proceed. But Joshua gave orders for large rocks to be placed on the mouth of the cave so that those kings would not um, escape. I want to read verse 19, very powerful. But then we see Joshua giving orders to the uh, soldiers or the Israelites. Don't stop. Pursue your enemies. Attack them from the rear and don't let them Reach their cities for the Lord your God has given them into your hand. I love that encouragement. We see Joshua giving orders for complete deliverance. God's ways of doing things is complete deliverance, complete restoration. Glory to God. Verse 20. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated them completely. I love that. And we come to... Verse 21, the whole army returned back safely to Joshua. Boy, I love it. And um, in verse 22, we see now how Joshua had defeated the five kings and their soldiers. Now he is going to give orders for the cave to be opened so those kings can be brought out. That is verse 22 and verse 23 there. And in verse 23, we are told how the kings of Jerusalem, Hebron, Jamoth, Lachish, and Eglon, all those kings were taken out of that cave. Remember, I had said that Joshua gave orders for that cave to be protected with large rocks. Now that he is through defeating their soldiers, Joshua gave orders for those kings to be brought out. He is going to make an example of them. We come all the way towards the end there of verse 24. Come here and put your feet on the necks of these kings. This is Joshua now giving orders. So they came forward and placed their feet on their necks. Here's what's happening. Joshua gave orders for those five kings to be taken out of the cave. He brought them in front of the uh, Israelite soldiers. 
He gave others for their feet, the Israelites to place their feet on the necks of the kings. This is significant because back then, during wartime, that is how you show and you display dominion over your enemies. So Joshua brought those kings out. He took his feet and other Israelites took their feet and they placed them on the necks of the five kings as a position of authority, as a position of dominion, saying that we have defeated you. So that is the importance of that. Verse 25, Joshua said to them, this is Joshua now, after he placed his feet on the neck or necks of the five kings, he used that as an example to reassure the Israelites in verse 25, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Be strong and courageous. This is what the Lord will do to all the enemies you are going to fight. I love that. Okay. So he took those kings, brought them out, put his feet on their necks and told the, told the other Israelites, this is what the Lord will do to your enemies. Meaning the Lord will overcome your enemies for you. Meaning you Israelites have complete dominion over your enemies. Glory to God. But today we know our enemy Satan has been crushed on the cross. Jesus made a display of Satan on the cross. So we know that Satan has been dealt with. He is still around. Okay, rowing like a lion seeking whom to devour, he has no power or authority over us. Satan can all only deceive us if we allow him because he has been made a display of on the cross. When Jesus Christ died, was buried, and was resurrected, Satan has been defeated. So we should not be afraid of our enemy, Satan. He is just... A deceiver. He's just a liar. He's been dealt with on the cross. He has been made a show off, just like we see Joshua here, placing his feet on the necks of the kings to make an example to the Israelites that the Lord will overcome your enemies for you. So for us, the enemy has already been defeated, Satan on the cross. Okay, I love that. Verse 26, Joshua then uh, put the kings to death and exposed their bodies on five poles. Again, back during that time, when you kill the kings or you kill the commander of, sheep, of, uh, commander of the army, you would display their bodies so everyone could see them, so no one would be afraid that they can come, come around and attack you. So Joshua displayed their bodies on the poles so everyone can see. And then in the evening, he gave orders for their bodies to be brought down from the pole. And then in verse 27, we are told how at sunset, Joshua gave orders for the, for the king's bodies to be dumped in the same cave they were hiding from. Okay, boy, Joshua was a brave man of God, boy. I really hope you are encouraged by his faith and his, and his, and his courage. Because I am. All right. We come now to verse 28. Essentially, verses 28 all the way 
to the end of chapter 10 goes on to just highlight some of the uh, conquest or some of the cities or nations that Joshua overcame through the power of God. So we're going to just skip through this quickly here. We come down to verse 28. He, Joshua Verse 28, I'm going to read this. That day Joshua took Makedath, he put the city and his king to the sword. So he overcame that one through the power of God. And we come down to verse uh, 29. Joshua moved from Makedath to Libna and he attacked it and he overcame. Verse 30, the Lord also gave that city and his king to Joshua. We come down to verse 31. Joshua then moved uh, from Libna to Lachish and he overcame that one through the power of the Lord. We come to verse 32. The Lord gave Lachish into Israel's hands and Joshua took it on the second day. We come to verse 33. Joshua then overcame Horam king of Gesar. He defeated them there. In verse 34, Joshua moved from Lachish to Eglon. He, he defeated them there through the power of the Lord. We come to verse 36. Joshua then went up to Eglon, to Hebron. He attacked it and defeated it. So we see how Joshua is overcoming all these cities in the land of Canaan. And if you take notice, we, we are told the Lord gave it to him. The Lord gave it to him. So we see that this battle was truly the Lord's. Joshua was just the vessel. Joshua was just obeying the Lord. And the Lord was walking through Joshua to overcome all these cities. He had promised their ancestors, Abraham and the patriarchs. God is so faithful. So we see God's faithfulness in operation manifesting here. Okay. So we come down to verse uh, 38. Joshua attacked Debai and he won there. Verse 40. Joshua subdued the whole region, the hill country of Negev. Towards the end of verse 40 there, no survivors were left. He totally destroyed all who breathed. That was something. Just as the Lord, the God of Israel, had commanded. We also see Joshua obeying the Lord's instructions to attack and kill all the um, enemies. Verse 41, Joshua subdued them from Kadesh, Binia to Gaza, and, and from the whole region of Goshen to Gibeon. Verse 42, all these kings and their lands Joshua conquered in one campaign because the Lord, the God of Israel, fought for Israel. Just like I had said, Verse 43, then Joshua returned with all Israel to the camp of Gilal, Gilgal, rather, which was their base of operation. So we see how God was winning this battle through Joshua. And for those of you who have not listened to my previous teaching or teachings in the books of Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, you have to remember that the nation of Israel was an instrument that God used to bring judgment against these countries or nations in the land of Canaan. 
okay, because of the wickedness and evil in those nations in the land of Canaan, God had to use the nation of Israel as his instrument of judgment. God knows all things. God knew that the hearts of the inhabitants of the land of Canaan weren't going to change. We went over this in the books of uh, Numbers, Deuteronomy, how the inhabitants in the land of Canaan practice witchcraft, child sacrifice, idolatry, all kind of wickedness. They worship devil, the devil, Satan. God is just. God must punish sin. So in this case, God used the nation of Israel as an instrument to bring final punishment to the Canaanites. So that is what we see happening here where Joshua was given specific instructions when he gets to the promised land. He has to destroy, kill everything that breathes. God had to eradicate the wickedness. Okay? Just eradicate it completely. That way his chosen people, the nation of Israel, would not copycat that wicked behavior, child sacrifice, etc., etc., that was God's plan. Of course, it didn't come to fruition because human beings have a free will. God has given us a free will. So the nation of Israel got into the promised land. They did not destroy all of the inhabitants there. And before long, they got into idolatry, pagan worship, child sacrifice. And we will learn as we proceed in this teaching here in the Old Testament how God turned his face against them. In other words, God was no longer in their midst and they suffered major, major consequences, which God had prophesied that would happen if they abandoned him. So the nation of Israel abandoned God and God abandoned them as well. And they suffered major, major consequences. So we will talk about all of this as we proceed. I just wanted to make that comment just in case some of you are wondering why God is allowing Joshua to kill all these people. Again, because that was God's judgment against the demonic practices happening in the land of Canaan at that time. So that brings us to the end of chapter 10. So we have some major principles here out of cha uh, chapters 9 and 10. Number one being deception. I have talked about this already that we should not take for granted things that appear good on the outside. And number two, the second principle here, we saw the gift of faith in operation in the life of Joshua. I explained that already. And number three, we saw and we learned about God's control over his creation. How when we obey God and we allow him to flow through us, nothing is impossible. And that brings me right into the next, into the application. Nothing is impossible with God. Our roles as New Testament believers is to obey God, apply his word into our lives and trust him to overcome our battles and trust him to make the impossible possible in our lives because we serve a God of impossibilities. Whatever you are going through right now, if it seems impossible, then it's time for you to trust God with the impossibilities because nothing is impossible with God when we trust him and when we obey him. Okay. And lastly, we should be careful. 
the book of Proverbs teaches us, I believe out of Proverbs chapter 14, that there is a way that seems right to man, but the end is death. Some translations say the end is destruction. So we have to be careful. There is a way that seems right. There are things that the enemy may present in our lives that look right, but the end will lead to death. The end will lead to destruction. And remember, for us as Christians, death also involves emotional death, fear, worry, anxiety, chronically doubting God. Those are all forms of death, not just a physical death. So be warned, there is a way that seems right, but the end is death. Be careful. Don't always make decisions based on outward appearance. Seek godly counsel. Seek advice from the Holy Spirit. That Holy Spirit that indwells you is there to quicken your spirit, to illuminate scriptures to you, and to lead and guide you unto all truths. So seek godly counsel. Don't make decisions quickly because things look good on the outside. I hope you receive that in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you for you are such a good God. You are a God of impossibilities. We thank you that we serve an awesome God like you. We thank you that we serve a faithful God as you. Father, today, I thank you for all the lessons we have learned from these chapters. Holy Spirit, teach us how to be men and women of faith, how to be men and women who do not make decisions based on outward appearances. Rather, we turn to you for godly counsel. Father God, help us. We thank you, for we have prayed in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and everybody says, Amen. Before we go, I want to remind you to visit our website, drruthtanyi.org. That's D-R-R-U-T-H-T-A-N-Y-I dot O-R-G. And check out our event page and sign up for one or all of our upcoming events. While there, remember to subscribe to Dr. Ruth's monthly Bible teaching e-newsletters so you can start receiving more life-changing teachings. If Dr. Ruth's teachings are a blessing to you, we would like to know that. So would you please send us an email and let us know? Here is our email address, info at drruthtanyi.org. That's I-N-F-O at D-R-R-U-T-H t-a-n-y-i dot o-r-g You can also find Dr. Ruth's simple and practical teachings on YouTube. Just search for Dr. Ruth Tanyi Ministries. Subscribe to our YouTube channel and watch Dr. Ruth's Bible teaching videos at your convenience 24-7. Remember to click the notification bell on YouTube after you subscribe. That way you will receive alerts when we upload more Bible teachings. I am Chris Horam, and may God's abundant blessings chase you today. In Jesus' name, amen.